All right. Hello, everybody. Um, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Upstream Podcast. My name's Minnow, and I'm here with my co-host, David Cho. Hello, everybody. So this week, um, we thought we'd change gears a little bit. And the past couple weeks, and even the season before, we talked a lot about work and the things that we're doing. But this week, we thought we would talk about a subject that is... A thorn in my side for 30, 35 years, and I think any form of therapy sort of gets into this issue about body and about weight issues. Um, and so we wanted to talk about our sort of our journey with weight loss and use that as sort of the umbrella idea to talk about everything that has to do with our bodies. And I think it's a huge topic, but it's an interesting topic, and David and I can talk about it because I think we both have struggled with being really overweight and like unhealthy in an unhealthy way, and trying our best to unlearn and sort of rewind and be in the most healthiest place we want to be. And just before I started recording, I was telling him that I went to the my annual checkup um, this week. I'm 37. Um, David's turning 29 it's like health and you know health especially this past year but for us just knowing that we're getting older it's one of those things but man weight in and of itself right like how is it yeah I don't know how, does it feel like a thorn for you you know <clears throat> I think it's funny it's like well first I want to kind of preface this by saying it's like weight trigger warning content warning this is True. a very sensitive topic for folks, all, yeah. you know, whatever your gender. Um, and so I think I want to start by saying this is not us suggesting by any means that our stories or our methods or whatever are right for anybody other than ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that if you're, if, you know, if this numbers on the scale suggest that, you know, you're overweight or, you know, whatever, underweight or whatever it might be that we're telling you to change. I think it's mm-hmm. all based on where you're at, what you want to do with your life. And so um, that's that, you know, and I don't think we're going to touch on like uh, f- the fat positivity movement or anything like that, but we're just, we just want to talk yeah. about our own experiences. And so we don't want to, yeah. you know, well, we piss people off. <laughs> it's the most authentic way to talk about it, which is our own story and say, this is our story. And you and yeah. I share sort of a similar journey. And I think yeah. anything prescriptive, it's more about empathy and, having people understand that it's yeah prevalent you know more so than anything else and i you know i think for i think the assumption is um we're we're on a journey to lose the weight not because Mm -hmm. we think that i mean for at least for me it's like i don't want people to hear oh he's just another one of those people that says you have to lose weight to x y and z i -hmm. think there's a lot of stuff involved there um so you know, when I su- I'm not necessarily suggesting that this is, you know, the quote unquote right thing to do or whatever. Yeah. So, before we dive in, um, to answer your question, has it been a thorn on my side? I mean, that's a funny question. It's it's interesting because when I was a kid, I was really skinny. Um, so when I was born in Hawaii, I grew up in Hawaii for from about like from when I was born to seven. And when mm-hmm. I was in Hawaii, I was you know I was a thin kid. Like, no one would have ever said, "Oh, David's gonna end up being obese or whatever." Um, but then when we moved to Georgia, 
from Hawaii when I was seven. I think that's when things started to change because, you know, it's a lot less active of a lifestyle. We weren't going to the mm-hmm. beach all the time. We weren't walking to and from school or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just, we were just home way more. And we were mm-hmm. home and we weren't necessarily like, I think we're kind of, you know, sometimes we're alone more than we used to be, like my sister and I, and just like, you know, kind of eating, just whatever. Like, I don't think we necessarily thought too hard about what we were eating and kind of caught up to me at least i think i gained like a significant amount of weight like when i started to go into like fourth fifth and then especially like middle school Hmm. um even before puberty or anything like that yeah it wasn't really hormonal yeah no and then i started to you know go up and go down and so yeah i think for me i've been kind of struggling struggling battling trying to understand and define what this you know this body weight issue is for me like mm-hmm. just to give everybody context and i would love to hear your context too it's like at my heaviest i was 265 i probably weighed more i was probably like 270 wow. but i just never weighed myself yeah. yeah and to give everyone reference i'm 510 and you know that put me in definitely the obese category. And which is, this is this is where I think it gets really complicated because even when I was at my biggest, I don't, I, I think I was doing two things. One is like, I didn't, I'm, I didn't want to lose weight because it felt like everyone was telling me to lose weight, you know, whether or not they were, I don't know, but I just wanted to rebel and be like, no, I'm cool without it. Like I can do mm. things without it. Like blah, blah, mm. blah, blah. I'm great. I'm fun. You know, like I feel attractive even at my heaviest. Like I actually mm. had these thoughts mm. and then, um, but at the same time I was having a hard time doing certain things like sitting for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, like just like I was just uncomfortable in my body, mm-hmm. which is like a strange paradox right, to find yourself in. I was trying to convince myself that I was good at the way I was mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I should accept myself for who I am, mm-hmm. what, my body, like a lot mm-hmm. of these kind of like more positivity type you know thoughts at the same time i was like but do i need to be this uncomfortable do my clothes need to look this bad on me like do i have to always be wearing gigantic clothes all the time mm-hmm. and um you know other things like do i have to i found myself avoiding mirrors i found myself never getting my photo taken not taking photos um and so you know it's just like those things like it's a constant paradox and that's for me it's like i don't know if it's been a thorn as much as it's been like I don't know, maybe an annoying friend, hmm. you know, <laughs> or mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. or like, mm-hmm. or maybe it's been more like a mirror. Like I've, I've, I feel like my weight is definitely a mirror of what else is going on in my life. Um, whether mm. it be focus or lack thereof, whether it mm. be just, you know, um, you know, I don't know what it is, but, but yeah, that's a long winded answer to your question. When, like, when did the, was it college essentially where you sort of came out of it the heaviest or when it when it was when it was the most for you so no actually so okay every year in college was really interesting and different my freshman year so this was back when i was like very much involved in the in the christian faith and like Mm -hmm. uh, stuff my first year of school Mm -hmm. i did Mm -hmm. a 21 day fast (laughs) liquid only fast with my friend because we were like, oh, we're going to like, you know, pray for this school and for our yeah. classmates and whatever. Yeah. And we're just going to fast. Like fasting yeah. in, in a lot of religions is just kind of like a ritual type yeah. thing you do to stay focused or grounded yep. or more connected to higher power or whatever. 
So I did that and I lost so much weight. Obviously, I only drank like juice and water and, you know, like chocolate milk every single day. <laughs> but I lost a ton of weight. I was like looking really skinny. And, and it was funny because at the end of that fast, you know, we we're done. And my friend who I was fasting was like, hey, you should probably be eating now, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, and I remember we we're sitting at the um, college like um, food area. And he was like, you should be eating. And I, and I snapped out of nowhere. It, it was so weird. It felt like, you remember in Lord of the Rings when, like, um, Smeagol would come out randomly? Yeah. It felt yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I just, like, freaked out. And I was like, no, I'm not going to eat. Like, this is fine. You know, because Whoa. I was, like, starting to get, like, addicted to the loss. And then after that, I was like, okay, I realized, like, oh, something went wrong here. I'm just going to go back to normal eating, whatever. And then I gained it all back. And then my sophomore year, I did a very, like, regimented... um diet again and i lost a ton of weight i i lost oh, like wow. 45 pounds i think and i got down to 185 uh so that was like my lightest and i remember like you know i was doing insanity i was like dieting yeah, yeah. also that was the best year of school i like got dean's list that year huh. i was like waking up every day doing like meditation and stuff it was just like you know i was like really focused it was strange uh and then i gained it all back junior senior and then really after i left college was when i started gaining a lot more weight and then i ballooned in 2017 2018 to like 265 270 that was recent more more so than like it always being on you i guess one other curious question i had was did you grow up eating like when you moved to georgia was it mostly american food you ate or did your parents still cook a lot of korean food for you guys i think i definitely ate korean food at home yeah. But at the same time, my mom packed us lunches every day. Hmm. And it was like pretty sizable portions. I think for us, like what ha- what changed was like the portion sizes of everything. Yes. At least for me, yeah. it felt like it changed once I moved to Georgia. And inactivity. And inactivity. And, and just like, I remember, like also my parents back then had three restaurants. That, and so food was just always kind of around. And I remember like, I have a distinct memory of like my mom coming back from Costco and she picked us up from school. And I remember looking in the back and there was like Slim Jims and pound cake and mm. like chips and whatever. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> we made it kind of thing. Yeah, like, it's like yeah. there's, there's some bounty here. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, like, yeah, I didn't. It's funny, too. Like someone I was actually on a clubhouse room with Jennifer Chung. Mm-hmm. Who's a, you know, she's a singer, songwriter, actor, mm-hmm. you know, multi-hyphenate. And she's also the founder of Today Worthy. And she was talking about like body image and weight loss and i was just like sharing about how um i was just sharing in that room about my journey and stuff and then it was just interesting because like she was they were asking did your parents ever like shame you for your weight Mm because it's like a very prevalent part of asian especially korean culture and i was just like no i don't ever remember my parents shaming me about it maybe my Mm -hmm. relatives Mm -hmm. but never i just always felt like good and accepted so Mm mm-hmm over it's just a lot of complex layers for me so 100 percent for me i grew up eating a lot of korean food at home and food for me was always linked with comfort and i think it's the way that not only did my mom show love but it was like the main language that she had and there was a lot of happiness mm-hmm. around that food and i just the best mem- one some of the best memories i have of um childhood is eating that food and i remember my dad's like his famous like bibimbap that he would make and we would all eat you know together and 
pork belly, all you know, like pork belly, like meals and and kalbi and all this stuff. And it's like, one, I realize how much they spent on that food for us. Like now that I'm, I'm like, Korean food is not like when you buy the meats and all that. It's not cheap, but my parents worked hard, and one of the ways that they sort of wanted to show for the work. The hard work they did was, I think, with really high quality Korean food that they made, and mm. I think I would just eat and eat, and then so fall when you were a kid, did you yeah. like? Did you? Because for me, like, I don't have strong memories of thinking, "Oh my God, I love food. Food is amazing. Food is delicious." But for you, was it really much like as a as a child? Yeah, you're like I love food. I, it was an I. It was like I love food. But it was also more like I was praised for being able to eat Korean food, mm. being an American boy. But you know, but oh, Minnow likes Korean food. He's really he eats all the spicy stuff and all the random stuff, like any like even like the intestine soups and all. Like I loved every like part of Korean food, and my parents saw that as like, oh, he respects our culture. He respects mm. where we're from because he likes this food, and so it was almost like a. Maybe in a weird way, not that I'm just thinking about, like, it's how I could show that I appreciated my parents and they loved me more because I had, like, I was able to eat Korean food that way. My brother the same way, yeah. And, so interesting, yeah. And so just eating the way I was eating, I wasn't active, to your point. Like, I, was, I wasn't the, you know, I never went out and played basketball in the yard and then came back. Like, I sat home and I learned how to play guitar from, like, seventh grade. And so I was just home playing guitar and then eating. So... My weight was like, I was big, like all throughout my life. I was mm -hmm. never, I mean, I think I was skinnier, like when I was younger. And there's sort of like photos of me, like six, seven years old. But as soon as puberty, junior high school and stuff happened, I was, I was just a big guy, which is why the irony of the name Minnow as a nickname is, was so like traumatizing for me because it was this little fish, right? And I was everything but little around seventh, eighth grade when this older uh guy at youth group um named me this little fish and so it's almost like a it was even more like an insult to injury because i was always <laughs> aware of it you know and mm -hmm. it's one of those things like when it's really a problem no one ever talks about it they always Ooh. use euphemisms and stuff right so in korean there's this phrase called tindine, right yeah. oh tindine, tindine. and it's like a how would you say that in like english it's like a you're like a substantial so <laughs> yes, that is a, that is a Google Translate version, substantial. But like, I guess like big boned, right? Mm -hmm. Big boned kind of thing. And it's like, oh, he's like, you know, he, yeah, <laughs> gravitas would be the more euphemistic way of saying it. But that's what they would say. But underneath it would always be, oh, you know, underneath it, it's like, oh, he's a big guy, you know. And so I would hear that growing up, and it'd be said euphemistically, and I would grow up. He's saying it's smiling, but I realized like there was something underneath it the whole time. And I say thorn because it was definitely the source of shame. And the emotional consequences of that is food then becomes a source of distraction or numbing. Because you want to go back. It's nostalgic, that kind of food, as opposed mm. to looking at food as fuel and 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 a source of medicine it was never medicine it was a mm. shot of adrenaline and joy that i always had and so it was never medicinal for me ever that's true um if i got sick we just eat a really spicy stew and and my mom would be like then you're fine you know but it was never there was never it was never around nourishment it was always it was always around mm. finding some kind of joy or happiness for me yeah
I mean, I feel like you touch on so many. There's so much to go like go with it because like I mean like Korea as a nation until even most recently yeah. like the 60s yeah. was war torn it was always colonized it was a poor yeah. country and so when our parents generation the generation before like our grandparents they see food as like a you know as more than just nourishment or just mm-hmm. calories in and mm-hmm. out they see mm-hmm. it as like safety or almost as a currency you know mm-hmm. and so 100%. that's why there's i think you know a lot of a lot of focus on food especially in korean households but like what you're talking about made me feel like think about so many things because when i was coming up like the food network was like growing like crazy yes like, i remember like kick it up a notch right yes, <laughs> drive-ins and dives and then like where's that show with that dude um he would man oh man versus man versus, man versus food or food something. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, you know, yeah like yeah. just the crazy like and then anthony bourdain and eddie yeah. wong and david yeah. chang and all i like started to attach myself to these food idols like especially mm. in college i started to really get into like food as an ident like i am someone that knows food mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you want recommendations come ask me like that started to really become an identity piece for me mm. and i remember like I would, I think almost in my head, I would excuse whatever my body looked like because mm-hmm. I had a cultural significance, in, like, you know, in yeah. the food yeah. scene or not, not even, I just like, I, what I did was basically go to as many restaurants as possible, eat what I thought was best. And then I was able to talk about it. That's it. That's yeah. all I was doing. Yeah. But it felt such like such a big identity piece to me. So like. And that's something really interesting to unpack, too. It's like when you are like, because when I was big, and I'm still big, but when I was much bigger, I felt like I had to, if I wasn't like conventionally attractive, if I wasn't fit or like lean, I had to create my own sense of like uniqueness or attractiveness mm-hmm. out of something else mm-hmm. and for me a lot of those times were like stuff like that like being the go-to person for x y and z and mm-hmm. you know and that like kind of perpetuates the cycle you yeah. have to eat at every new restaurant that comes out yeah because that's who you are and you know on and on and on yeah <laughs> and so yeah. Yeah, what you were saying just made me think like, gosh, there's like a lot of unpacking to do here because it's so intertwined with who we are. Um, It's not as simple as like eat less calories than you need workout, you know? Yeah. So would would you say for you, I mean, I guess there's always a sense of like numbing or distraction or comfort when it comes to food. But for you, it was also social standing, um, connecting bringing people together. I remember one time, yeah. I forgot what it was, but we were talking and you're just like, what would you, what, what, what do you feel as like a great day or a great thing to, it's like bring people over and just feed them and have drinks and just, and just like be able to do that. And probably we haven't been able to do that for like a year, but just like, I remember you seeing it as a source of pride of like, if I have somebody over, I want to like blow them away with the quality of food or the kind of food because that's the way you want to show love and, and connection so mm-hmm. would you say that was more a primary motivator or what connected you to food in, it's in that, the early 20s yeah it's yeah. definitely like a social thing especially because <clears throat> i started making money and stuff and i could afford i've literally been to like the you know 
because of this motivation, I went to almost every restaurant in Atlanta that was significant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, and that was the thing. It's like, it, you can afford it. Mm-hmm. It's decadent. It mm-hmm. makes you feel decadent. It's an experience. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's yeah. all these things. And I don't know. It's just like a weird, I think, warped way to think about um, and excuse my lack of focus on my health, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's not all bad. It's not all good either. Like, you're right. I did have like a thing, like I still do. Like if people come over and they're going to, and I'm going to cook for them, it's going to, it better be the best damn thing they ate that month, <laughs> you know, or at least I'm going to try to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it is. And like, at least for me, when I graduated college, I think I was my heaviest graduating college which was also the same time I was doing music. And I think mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear you like using food as an identity and looking at that and seeing the, you know, the celebrity chefs and people coming around. Um, I also remember Mario Batali who was like this big guy, but he was so intelligent. He sounded so intelligent when he was talking about Italian food and the regions and stuff. And I'm like, Hmm, that's interesting. You know, like he's, he got he's, canceled. He, he did get canceled, but back then he was like the three or four people that would sit there and he cooked for yeah. them while I was talking about what region or whatever, whatever, you show. know. No, it just makes me think like you bring up Mario Batali because it's like there was a sense of coolness that started to like surround food, fat food people. <laughs> you know, like Action Bronson. Action Bronson was like, oh, oh sorry, Maddie Matheson and Action Bronson. Action okay. Bronson's like a rapper. Uh-huh. Um, but he's also like a food dude. He had a show on Vice mm-hmm. and and stuff. And obviously, Maddie Matheson, like you know, he had a restaurant called Meat and Bread, and now he's like a big old like entertainer, whatever. They're they're both big, like really big, and but they're really fun and cool. And for me, I was like, I remember one time I was thinking to myself, like, I kind of want to look like Maddie. Like mm-hmm. I would be down for that. And that was like a like I remember telling my wife that, and she was like, No, you know, because it's like. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily, I don't know if he's healthy or not. I can't say, but yeah. it's a big deal. I would become much bigger if I were to like aspire to something like that. And I remember like, you know, and I think it's just like, there is that kind of like, you know, I don't even know how to describe it even. It was just like, for me, it was like realizing, oh, maybe I can stay this weight and still be cool. It's mm. almost always back and forth between like, like a status thing. You know, yeah. and it felt yeah. like the world was changing in such a way that I could be like, I could become bigger and bigger and bigger, and I could still be cooler and cooler and cooler. Mm. And um, that sounds so lame. I sound like a fifth grader, but that's just you know, if I'm being honest, you know. And I think music was my way of trying to like deflect my weight, and then I would be able to play. And there was, and there's something psychological about having a guitar in front of you. It definitely like. It covers the parts of your body that you don't want to show when you're in front of people. And I think music was definitely this big sense of pride and, and a way to show what I can do. And, you know, there's singers, too, who are big. But it's like, oh, if you're big, you're powerful. You have all the, you know, you're tindine. You're tindine so you can, like, you know, sing louder. You sort of play all these, like, to your point, like, tricks in your mind or you, you sort of do all these, like, somersaults in your head to make you feel like it's okay it's okay and and the thing that you don't do is actually just accept and be present with yourself at that moment because i would avoid mirrors all the time too i didn't want to look at myself 
that's the one thing to work on that I didn't. And I tried all these different ways outside of just accepting mm. this and seeing what to do, but doing all this other stuff to try to like cover it up when everyone sees that as uh, what it is, right? Yes. Everyone sees it because it's, we're, you know, beauty obsessed. We're obsessed with that. And so people acknowledge it. But again, no one tells it to you <laughs> yes. because it's the most obvious thing. But no one actually says it as anything, right? Because, and so, I mean, I don't I don't know if I've, I mean, I've, yeah, I mean, I've probably heard, you know, it's like, oh, you, you fat, whatever. And this, and, and people like do, it's like saying that. But I think out of my close friends and the people that I really wanted that love and attention, it wasn't like a factor. It was almost like they didn't bring it up, but I know it was always a, a thing. I think my friend Dan was the only one that would bring it up to me and be like, yo, let's go work out, man. You got to work out. And he sort of teased me about it. And so I like push away a little bit, but thinking back, he actually cared enough to, to bring it up in that way. And it wasn't until after college, I actually learned about nutrition Precision nutrition is this one sort of, I mean, there's a ton, but back in 2000, what, what is that? I would say like six, seven, there wasn't a lot of that stuff online as much. And precision nutrition, you'd order it, they gave you a binder. They sent over a binder and it was all these like macro rules and all this stuff. And as soon as I learned it, I was like, wait, you're telling me bagels and bread makes me like bigger? Like it's not as like, there's this difference between foods. And I was like... Oh, like I just did not understand. And I, I feel like that knowledge was so empowering for me. And that was mm. two years of me working corporate. And it was a, it was ad agency, but we worked 10 to 6 every day. And so I just put myself on this schedule, 545, wake up, go to the gym, come back. I would pre-cook food, pack it, bring a shake, go, you know, eat my lunch just at my desk. And it was like, you mentioned Costco. There's like these Normandy vegetables, right? Just like eat like a like boil like steamed vegetables, chicken tenderloins, and that's what I would eat. And I just went on the cycle. And then every day I would, uh, and then when I came back home, I would just have like a small dinner, have one day cheat meal, and I just became robotic in this cycle. And that's when I lost like thirty, no, almost forty five. Yeah, like one eighty five at my lowest. But it was the knowledge that was empowering for me to do it. And when I did lose weight, my mom would praise me for it. And she's like, oh, you're losing weight. This is amazing. This is amazing. <laughs> I remember the sort of the marker of it was um, I, I, had, I had these jean pants, but I'd keep losing weight. So my dad would have to, my, my parents are dry cleaners. So I'd bring it to the tailor and get the waist um, smaller. <laughs> the way that you just cut off material and they make it smaller. So the back pockets would start like closing in on each other, I remember. And one time, <laughs> one time I put a wallet and it almost just like gave me like a wedgie and I was like, <laughs> okay. And I was looking, I was like, the back pockets are this close to each other. I was like, I guess I need new pants. But like every time I brought them in, I remember it was like a, mm. it was like a, like a marker that I was doing, but mm. For me, it was education, education and, and a routine that I created that I was able to stick to for that long. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lift, I started lifting weights, all that kind of stuff, too, like learning about all that stuff. But it almost felt like I think now is different because I know what to do and now I choose not to do it. But back then it was like a oh, moment of mm. like epiphany. And then I ran mm. with it for like two years, you know? Yeah. 
No, I think that's I think that's probably very similar to a lot of people. But I want to talk about something you said earlier, which is mm-hmm. facing the thing that is so obvious to everyone else, but unspoken. <laughs> like that yeah. is, I think that actually one of the most critical pieces of this is like, for me, it for me it was actually only recently where, where I was like. What that looked like was I looked in the mirror without any clothes on, and I was just like, this is you. Yes. This is you. Look at it. Look at yourself. Is you know, like, And for me, I was like, I'm sure you know, other people probably have done, but I didn't do this my entire life. You know, I just avoided it. It's too scary to, in case you know, I don't know what I'm going to see, you know, whatever. And so, but then this time around, I was just like, look at yourself. You can look at yourself and see what you see whether or not you like it that's another story but you can look at yourself now without fear or hesitation or shame shame because you know you can change it and that was like as soon as i Mm. did that and i took that and i took the number on the scale and i put those things two two things together then i started to realize okay the only way out of this is for me to change my mentality around what i'm doing you know, and so like that's but that to me feels like actually the absolute hardest thing to do. Like everyone wants to talk about image and shame and, you know, like the tactics and the strategies and the techniques yeah. Yeah. and the society and culture and all of these yeah. like things surrounding this issue. But at the end of the day, it's like, do you can you face yourself, you know? Yeah. And so when you brought that up, I was just like, damn, that's, that's like a dagger right there because it's so, it's so hard. And it's not just facing yourself because I know a lot of people face themselves all the time and they just don't like what they see or they, it makes them mad or upset or whatever, but it's facing yourself and saying, I have what it takes within me to change what I'm facing. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. And I don't know if, I don't know if I ever had that moment for myself. I think I got more confident and I am more confident just because, you know, I feel better in my body. But I don't know if I ever had that moment of ownership mm. of the situation and then giving myself permission that you have control and that this is in mm. your fate and going through that cycle of it. Um, and you say you would say that was 2000, like two, three years ago when you were. No, when I you would were say that big- was like, oh, when I was at my biggest. Like when when do you feel like that moment of for you to say that I can? I feel I can like it happened this? like three months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe less. Maybe two months ago. You made it sound like it was like your, your... no, no. This was recent because it's like this is you know I started a new program. I started you know like I I want to make this the last time I have to do this goddamn thing right yeah. Yeah. And for me, it was like, <laughs> how do I get there? How do I make this the last time? You know? I guess I'm not too late at that, at that point. <laughs> yeah. No, very recent. Okay, so here's another thing I want to talk to you about, which was like, it's around shame. But it's around the shame. And to your point, it's around the shame of knowledge. Mm. When you're big and or like, you know, whatever, everyone around you has an opinion on how you should change. Everyone has all the tips and all of the ham, all of the knowledge that you don't have, right? Everyone will tell you, hey, you should uh, do that and this and try this diet and try this exercise and whatever. 
And obviously they're trying to be helpful, but if you hear it from 15 different people, yeah. you're kind of like, okay, what do I do? What is actually my source yeah. of truth here? And why the fuck yeah. are all these people telling me what to do? You know, so for me, <laughs> so for me, I've always been kind of like, one, like I don't like when people tell me what to do in the first place. But then if I have a lot of random people telling me what to do, you know, or giving me suggestions, it just really kind of pisses me off. So, And this was even I, like without you asking, you would say? Or yeah, sometimes yeah, you, yeah. yeah. Or I would just be open, like, oh, yeah, I'm, like, trying to lose weight or something like I see. that. Yes. And then it all comes through, you know? Right. And so for me, I, like, trying to figure out my own way to do things. Or I'll be searching for people that are, like, nicer about it, you know, and, like, just copying what they do, whatever. But over the years, it's just, like, my mentality around how to lose weight has really been – got really fucked up, basically. And especially mm-hmm. before my wedding, like – this is probably a whole nother podcast, but <clears throat> just how I prepared to lose. To lo- so I lost um, 40. Wait, is that right? Uh, I probably lost 45 pounds for my wedding in the, in the course Jeez. of nine months. So that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> that's you like know? the 21 day fast on a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was eating 900 calories a day. I was oh, burning wow. like seven to a thousand cal- 700 to a thousand calories a day, too. And I was like, I was miserable. I was mm. obviously nutrient deficient. I was very tired all the time. I was still working. I was super stressed about the wedding. And um, yeah, I mean, and I say all that to say because it's like, for me, it's always like, there's always been something that is pushing me to do it, like mm. to get to a goal. Mm. You know, for right now, it's actually the first time I don't have anything to prepare for necessarily. And um yeah, and so, like, for me, it's always been, like, very extreme and, like, creating these strategies and tactics in order to fit the situation versus yeah. doing it for myself or, yeah. or whatever. And so, you know, for me, that the strategy has always been eat very little, eat very or no carbs or sugar. Um, and just insanity the hell out of it. And, ins- and hit cardio the crap out of every day. Like, to me, I felt like, I, this is honestly how I felt even just a couple months ago. If my shirt wasn't, like, halfway drenched with sweat, I felt like I didn't do something right. I would actually, I would be very upset internally if I didn't see the sweat come out hmm. in the way that I wanted to. Because I needed these signifiers of progress. Because I was so desperate to see it, you know? Which kind of talks about like, like, is, do you have a desperation mentality around weight loss, or do yeah. you have like a s- surplus, you know, like bounty? And and I think people think in months and not years when they think about weight loss, right? And True. we've been told to think about three months, thirty days, ninety days. You know, you can do this, or and it's it the change is so so incremental. It's one of the it's like one of the most incremental changes, and I think. When someone learns to do any kind of like knowledge work skill, coding, writing, whatever it is, the skill is incrementally, you incrementally go up, but you don't actually see it happen in front of you every day. And then you look back and you're like, oh, my writing is great, or I could write this code or whatever it is. But weight is constantly in front of you, but it's still an incremental change that happens, I think, a percent a week, I would say. And so you don't notice it, but you're always looking at it. And I don't think it's like that with another skill, at least for me, like when it came to writing or something, like I know I've gotten better, but it's not this constant 
thing mm-hmm. in front of my face, but your body mm-hmm. is always in front of your face and you either have to, and I think it's the way, it's because I went robotic those two years and I just didn't think about it and it just happened. Um, or yeah, what you said of like, it's okay. Where I am now is where I need to be and where I arrive at is going to be where I need to be as well. There's no like, I need to get there for me to be better. I need to get there for me to be myself. And because mm-hmm. then you'll always be impatient. There's no patience yeah. in that in that mentality. Yeah, so true. Where would you say you're at now with the journey? I'd say my body has the stasis of like 200 pounds and it doesn't want to move from there. And that's another thing too, evolutionarily, like losing weight is like sustained kind of like, um, spending more than your, 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 your taking in, but your body never wants to be in that place. It always wants to have enough surplus. And so I think right now is where I want to be. I can lose a little bit more and then I'll come back. I could gain. And then if I, watch then i'll come back and so i'm sort of in the stasis right now and i think i do i you know 30 pounds would be great just for my own body but even more than that like flexibility is huge for me and i think i can still be flexible now than later you know there's all these little things that i know that are just as important for myself um but i think one idea that i've been thinking about a lot as i've been thinking about moving forward with it to your to your sort of idea of like knowledge so much knowledge so many opinions so many ways of this happening and it's this idea of decomplication that i was reading about and the idea is that for most things that a lot of people deal with that are problems the answer is usually very very simple and there's a there's there's this um there's this book that was like simplifying nutrition and he simplified in this like short phrase of eat mostly whole foods, eat whole foods, mostly plants, not too much. He boiled it down. I, I, the, the guy's name sort of um, escapes me now. I can put it in the show notes. But yeah, eat whole foods, mostly plants, not too much. Something like this. Super simple. And that is actually nutrition in a nutshell, really. But what's simple doesn't mean that it's easy. Mm. And so people want to artificially complicate that simple solution in order to not take the responsibility or not actually wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. And artificial complexity is the layer at which marketing, businesses, and industries can exploit everybody. So true. Sleep two hours and still feel okay if you take this pill, right? Do this ab exercise for 10 days, 10 minutes a day, and you can be washboard abs. Like all that artificial complexity layer is pretty much what fuels, I would say, the health industry and, what you know, keto this, this and that, all dietary things. Soylent, right? I was talking to someone about Soylent. Like that I was, was on Soylent. <laughs> In 2017. Right? You don't have to actually make food. You just drink this sludge and you have all the nutrients that you need. Like it sounds so simple, but it's the stuff that's in there is so artificially complex and the simple idea doesn't mean that it's easy but it's simple and to me when i think about all these tactics or things that i want to do and i'm making it too like crazy i'm like okay am i artificially 
complicating what I need to do. But I think if there's any takeaway for me or takeaway that I can sort of offer is how much are you complicating something that should be really simple? Not that mm-hmm. it, not that it's easier, but that it's that there's a simple answer. And to your point of, if I try, I can change it. Yeah, I you know I can I'm the master of my own control of what I can do and not looking at all these other things, and yeah. so that's what I've been telling myself. And I'm I don't I don't see myself as 37. I see myself as approaching 40. And this idea of like what does healthy living and fitness look like? Um, and physically, I think I just need to be kinder to myself and mm. choose the simple over the complex, even if it's more difficult. Yeah, that's really good. And I mean, and I, I thought of this because Dave, David just started this uh, YouTube channel with all this extra creative energy that he's, that he's had. And I'd love for you to talk about sort of how you, you know, what made you sort of thinking of doing it. But yeah, like, it's complete opposite of what, right, of what you thought you were doing or what you did two three years ago for your for your wedding um it's pretty much the opposite of what it is but um oh yeah, yeah i'm curious yeah, i'm mean, curious so, of your approach to that and also why you decided to do a like a, a vlog with it yeah so my buddy alex Huang, who um you know the, the wedding that the wedding <laughs> yeah, that we photo yeah yeah yeah, yeah that yeah. you stood for alex um he and i've known each other since freshman year of college so he's seen right? it all yeah so he's literally seen me through my God, 2010, 11 <laughs> years, 11 years of my body. And, uh, and yeah, he's like super into, um, I would say he's very dedicated, very consistent, you know, and he was, you know, telling me stuff. He was walking me through it in various, you know, seasons, but this time around he was like, why don't we try it like this? And for me, this was a really big change because it was like, I was eating, I'm eating 1900 calories right now. I've never in a diet, eating 1,900 calories. I'm also not doing any... Well, I introduced cardio this week, but I'm only doing it twice a week. And mm-hmm. I only do most, mostly weightlifting. And for me, it's like, it's a rewiring for mm. sure. It's a rewiring of like, okay, I can eat carbs in my diet. I eat a cup of rice a day and 45 grams of oatmeal a day. That's a lot. That's like a lot of carbs for me as a person yeah. who's like, oh my God, carbs will kill me. Right? Yeah. And so rewiring that and i also thought oh weightlifting like how many calories can i actually burn weightlifting right 100 in an hour i hate weightlifting right i'm burning like five six hundred calories in in an hour of weightlifting because you know i'm just doing it correctly with the right guidance and so for me is like that that's really what spurred this like okay wait maybe i should document this era of my weight loss because i'm doing it so differently than i used to because Mm -hmm. i like you know before if someone posted on YouTube, here's a 900 calorie diet where you and you burn a thousand calories a day. That's like kind of like if I think about it, I'm like that's not good. That's not a good mm. thing. You know, it's not healthy. And so for me, if this is the first time, I feel like I'm doing it right, which mm-hmm. is obviously subjective. But mm-hmm. um, I wanted to, you know, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier about facing myself. Like mm. I, if I document it this time, then I, it kind of means a little bit more. Like mm. I have to. I want to show that it's working i want to prove Mm. to myself that this is my last time Mm. um you know like i talk about it like i'm trying to lose 100 pounds so i'm trying to get to 165 from my heaviest 265 um 
but but that but that journey you know to me this time around feels very different motivated by very different things like this is the first time in my life where i respect a nice physique Hmm. you know what i'm saying like my whole life what i've done is i've trained myself to be like washboard abs you know nice built lean muscular that that's all like that's just vanity Mm. no fuck those guys basically Mm. but now i'm like starting to say okay respect the work it takes respect how it looks like it's it's not you know just because you feel ugly when you see it doesn't make it ugly yes you know what i'm saying like yeah and so for me it's like changing everything like a rewiring of everything about me and so um, that's why I wanted to document it. The process has been, you know, fun. I mean, half of it's just like learning how to edit videos, but the other half is just like thinking about, um, like, it's just, yeah, it's just having another thing to keep myself accountable, be consistent. It forces um, you to be present, right? Think yeah. about your thoughts and what, what you're thinking. Do you feel physically like, do you feel more energy? You don't feel as miserable as you were doing before. Oh yeah. I mean, like before hunger was a real problem. Mm. You know, I would, I would watch mukbang like every night, just so Aww. hungry, like just, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> stupid. So but nowadays, it's like I don't really ever feel hungry. Yeah, which is weird, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm on a diet, and I feel like I should feel hungry, but I don't. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's completely just a really different way of approaching this whole thing, and. It's a little bit slower, I will say that. Like before I could lose like three, five pounds a week. But obviously it's not I'm losing muscle and it's all you know, all that stuff, so it's not yeah. good. But um slower grind, recalibration, um lifestyle, right? Rather lifestyle. than a than than a cycle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what's funny? It's like because I faced myself and I was like, This is you and you're gonna change it. This was the first time I thought like I want my kids to see what their dad did to change his life that's awesome bro you know what i'm saying like because to me it felt like okay i own this change yeah yeah so if i own this change then i can i can succeed in it yeah i don't know it goes back to a lot of the business things i'm learning too yeah consistency ownership yeah i think doing therapy and coaching i also realize how much cortisol and stress keep you from ever losing weight because your body is constantly thinking it's 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 in threat and if i look back at that time of the work i was doing i had work stress but i really my life was so simple back then because i had to wake up early and do this and i didn't have much things i was in you know i was living at home it was a very like young naive way of thinking about life and within that i you know took that simplicity simple time and just created this rhythm for myself. But as soon as I freelanced, I stopped because everything sort of got really complicated. But the more I, I'm concerned about mindset with people, emotions, like how they're thinking, presence and things that we're talking about. I think I just started like therapy again, weekly therapy again. And to me, weirdly in my mind, I'm like, this is going to help me get healthier, my body getting healthier as much as working out or eating right and all these things because life doesn't just get simpler when you get older it just gets more and more complicated and so if i think about the emotional self-work that i do emotionally and stress-wise and all that like that to me is directly linked for me 
And so that it's a lot of that work that I'm doing now. But as soon as you started that video, uh, the YouTube, and I saw that first exercise and it's, you guys need to watch it. It's really cute. He like, Dave like does like an overdub of the workouts that he's doing and she was like, it's so, it's awesome. It, it was like, and it pumped me up and got me encouraged just to see someone like me, not even someone I know, but someone like me go through that and, and see what that looks like. And so, yeah, we'll do a, I guess we'll do follow-ups, but this is the first time we're doing video too. So if we just start, you know, my face is already yeah, big, but if it starts getting, yeah, if it starts getting smaller, you guys will see, uh, <laughs> you'll see the results and stuff happening. But yeah, I think, I, I, I mean, I think this is a better place than any to sort of end and you can always come back to talking about it again, but there's a lot yeah. here. There's a lot here. It's a lot. And yeah, but hopefully we, we talked about it in a way that isn't talked about, you know, in many different yeah. ways, but thanks for sharing your story and being open. Thank bro. you for being vulnerable. This is a hard topic. Thank you, everybody. And uh, you, yeah, we'd love to hear your stories or ideas and, and, and where you, what you think about all this, too. So, yeah, everyone stay healthy. Most important. Thank you, Yvonne.